0: Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management.
1: In this episode, we are chatting about the current health of the real estate market, and we make some predictions for the future. In Neighborhood Chat, we'll talk about some of the personal challenges we have and the busyness of doing business. And finally, we discussed a proposal by a Memphis City Council member to end set-outs, the basis that it's making neighborhoods unsightly, but what are the alternatives and who will end up paying for it?
0: This is Aaron Ivey. In a segment you're about to hear, a reference was made to unemployment payments. It claimed that those entitled to unemployment could receive up to $4,000 a month. The statement is incorrect. At the time of recording, on May sixth, twenty 2021, according to TN.gov, the state of Tennessee government website, the amount a claimant could receive is capped at $275 a week. This figure is calculated on a sliding scale on the basis of how much the claimant's earnings have been during the prior 18 months. Temporarily, through the Federal Pandemic Unemployment Compensation Program, an additional $300 per week is available through September 4, 2021. In Tennessee, unemployment benefit is limited to 26 weeks and a total maximum benefit of $7,150. The unemployment rate is currently 5.9% on May the 11th, 2021, which isn't high in the context of historical data and certainly not high in being in the midst of a pandemic. Real estate is still just the hottest commodity I think anybody could possibly purchase uh, right now. The current marketplace, I mean, it is still absolutely just nonstop. You know, the multiple offer situation on every single property is through the roof. Product is not lasting on uh, the market at all. And houses are gone before uh, we often have an opportunity to, to take advantage of the listing. And uh, you were saying before we even started our chat that institutional buyers are really showing their flexibility. Their muscle uh, here in Memphis, and so it's very interesting for the uh, individual investor to have to uh, g- compete right now with
1: right. institutional buyers uh, like hedge funds and, mm-hmm. and, and groups like that. So, and even the occupants, the the worst right. the worst competition for my investors, uh, I have so many people looking to buy. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned before, we started the show that I put out twelve offers and got one. Yeah. Um, every Good single, for you. every single, yeah, that's I, great. I that's a, like a win. Yeah, uh, every single one we lost to. Folks that are paying eight, nine, ten, twelve thousand dollars over asking, right? And listen, there are a lot of agents out there that just want to sell a house. They don't care, sure. If it's a bad deal for their investors, oh, as long sure. as they're selling a house, right? Most of the ones we lost were my fault because I told my investors I said, "Listen, I can't in good conscience tell you to pay ninety thousand dollars for this house," I said, right. Because I ran a CMA and the closest I can get is seventy nine thousand, right? You're going to be upside down the day you close, and right? If the if the market bubble burst and we lose 15% or 10% or whatever it's going to be, sure. I said, you're, you're five years before you break even again. Right. And I, I would rather lose deals and be smart with my investors' money, right? That's what they hire us for is to guide them uh, instead of going out like some of these other agents and just, just buying stuff because it's there. Well, regardless so regardless of price,
0: so a one that that actually raises a question for me. One of the things that I've thought about a lot recently, especially in this last year to 18 months of uh, houses selling for more than what we feel is their practical value. Yeah. You know, in a normal economy, the question is, what is the value to the buyer, to the investor of overpaying for a property? Because well, I, I'll tell you, I really think that there's a value there. There is in this marketplace. And
1: is in is. And I do have one investor that's buying using the 10% gross annual rule. Right? Is that, he's, is he's, that Mike? Yeah, he's broken the 1% because he realized, look, going after 1% in, in this market is damn near impossible. Sure. It really is. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's now going 10% gross. So if it's $12,000 a year gross, he'll pay 120000 Right. Now, when you run the numbers on the ROIs, a lot of investors will pay more because the market rent allows them to justify the purchase price. We are looking at properties now that are – Undermarket market on rent but right. market rent is $200 higher so, right. so you're buying it based on what you can do with it a year from now right and that's picking up property that way yeah but yeah I have one investor that says look it's producing enough ROI for me so I'll pay 10 grand over what they're asking because right. it doesn't matter to me right uh, because if you're holding it for 20 years who cares what the value is you know it's going to far exceed that in the next 20 years sure you're more concerned about the, the annual rate of return and if it right. works then you can pay over asking right Right, so
0: I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's shifting, that's changing. You know, I love Mike's ten percent. You know, mm. oh, I do ROI. too. It makes
1: my job so much easier. Right,
0: right. But I mean, the the reality is, I think that there is we're realizing for normal investors that, that there is a, a value in overpaying for a piece of real estate. Right. One of our investors that we work with who his is he buys a lot of property is in the process of selling several in order to reinvest it into another out of state, out of right. outside of Tennessee investment. And you know, we're really happy for him that he's done that. He, we definitely feel like he's, you know, selling at the top of the market. He's not selling all of his property. He's only selling about a third right. of his Memphis owned property. And of course he probably owns so much more real estate all across America. But the point that I'm making is uh, those properties are going to sell to investors. They will not sell to owner-occupants because, as you've pointed out, owner-occupants are now fighting investors. And especially these institutions that are coming in and are
1: offering over asking. It's a double-edged sword because – his properties are under market on rents, and they I understand are. why he does it because I've got good tenants. Why run them out?
0: Well, there's that, and let me quick point: rental inflation has happened as fast as property yes. sale value uh, inflation. I mean, it's just ten. His 15%, average under under market is
1: like almost two hundred. Some of them are three hundred dollars under market. Sure that being said his problem is going to be is that he's some of these don't expire till October right so the disparity between what he can sell them for versus what the rent is is so bad so off right that the ROI for an investor buying is like 5% mm-hmm. so it doesn't make sense so there's going to be some of those are going to be tough sells. he's going to sure. have to take lower bids on them to, to get rid of them or he's just going to have to send out 30 notices and vacate them and then sell them on a, if you sell them on open market based on market rent right he, he'll end up 20% more than what So this is where I'm going to disagree with you and
0: uh, I know you love that I know you love a good sure. a little, a little simple argument a little little argument um, I believe that the buyers that are out there right now are going to purchase them over asking because it is accessible real estate it's real estate that is for sale and even though they've got a tenant that for two, three, four months is going to be paying under Market rent. Mm-hmm. Um, it is still valuable to the buyer. It's still worth it to the buyer to go ahead and purchase it and get into a bidding war. I think the tenant now, you know, for mm-hmm. these institutions who are a lot of them are wanting to do flips or rehabs or, mm-hmm. you know, add value to the property through updating it. And a lot of Jack's properties, you know, the internal, uh, 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 like kitchens and bathrooms, you know, fixtures, sure. they're all like 20 years old, 30 years old if it's, if it's like, you know, Cordova level, level property. So the point that I'm making is, I see see buyers, especially in this marketplace, in the current economic climate, dealing with that under market rent and dealing with that tenant because you know they're just going to ask them to leave. So, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Would you say that we are in a panicked market? Yes. Yeah, this is a panic market.
1: I don't understand why we're in a panicked market. I mean, people are buying property like... Joe Biden just signed an executive order that says after May 31st all homes that are vacant are going to be mowed down to the ground and you're no longer going to be allowed to ever right. build another house right. as long as the world exists. That's right. how people are buying. <laughs> they act like, you know, they're buying the last bit of bottled water on the planet Earth. They're just snapping it up and they're paying ridiculous prices for it. I don't understand why that's happening. Um, other than the fact that I did hear one investor say uh, Biden's economic policies are going to drive inflation, mm-hmm. and therefore they're hedging on buying up property today and inflation taking those values to an even higher point, at which point they'll try to liquidate right. and then make a profit. However, if Biden gets this 1031 exchange thing through, then they're all going to end up with a bunch of property that they've overpaid for, and whatever profit they're going to make is going to get eaten up in, in capital gains taxes. I'll, I am the last person to understand fiscal
0: policy okay like i mean whether or not it's good or bad fiscal policy i don't know i know mm-hmm. that um i know that the united states is poised to experience record levels of inflation yeah um and so which is a, basically a devaluing of our currency mm-hmm. um and so that's one of the reasons why they're pushing the 15 dollars minimum wage that's one of the reasons why they are you know Biden. i don't know if biden's policies are meant to control inflation or not i always thought that that was fed the feds federal banks um,
1: well the only way they're going to control inflation is by raising interest rates which isn't going to slow down the economy which then could actually have a rubber band effect and we go through this period of ridiculous pricing and then all of a sudden we snap back into a recession that becomes uh, even more detrimental
0: right and so it 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 almost begs the question of whether or not and I hate to say this, uh, this country needs a recession.
1: It one's coming. Might be, a, it's might be coming. a good thing. I mean, if you look at every time in the in my lifetime, in the history of a cycle that we go through, when you see this type of 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 uh, just take property values for instance, sure. going through the roof and people buying left and right and just right. getting whatever they can get their hands on, right. driving up prices. Eventually, that's going to pop, and when that pops, it's, we're going to go back into a recession because as soon as it pops, the first thing that happens is a. Any, any smart investors are going to sit back, put their money in the, suit, uh, in the mattress and just wait and mm-hmm. just see what happens. Mm-hmm. That then cools the market down. Right. That then has ripple effects all the way out at, right. to the people that make the nails to build houses. Right. Um, and then that recession comes in, and then it takes about a year for that to happen. And then all of a sudden, these investors start pulling their money out of the mattress and buying real estate again. Right. And then hopefully at that point, it'll level off. But we're going to go – I think we're about to go – to the top of the highest mountain and then we're going to go down the backside like a luge until we hit the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's what I see coming.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, they said it wasn't going to happen again. So I don't, you know, there are it's a lot of... It's never
1: going to be a 2008. Uh, it'll, it'll be... We're, we're not being... We're, we're not being we're we're being guided by our own forces the, sure. the buyers and the sellers right uh back then we were being we we're being trampled by government policies bad right. government policies right that we had no control over right. this we have control over right right we can decide to pay this for a house or not Right So I think that uh, we, we well, but we will never see it as bad as we did. A
0: part of that rubber band effect, like what you were talking about is you know it, it, the expectation of the buyer to make a return on their investment in real estate that is steroided uh by the current environment has got to change yeah. you know investors and and now we're speaking to our listener again investors have to realize that this is there really is a long game in real estate ownership and the short game which is what you know has has driven this current marketplace for the last two or three years you know the whole flip game a lot of this panic buying has to do with people thinking that they can turn a faster profit on real estate now versus what they're seeing in the stock market which is completely true i don't know if you follow the dow at all but the last couple of months in the dow like it hit the whole dow has seen maybe at max half a point Mm -hmm. you know fluctuation upward very little fluctuation downward but then there have been several weeks where it's just been flat so you know as far as the short term return people are not seeing it in the stock market which by the way is something that they predicted back around 15, 16, 2015, 2016, right. that the gains that people would be getting in the stock market were going to be limited eventually. It's going to hit a, a high plateau. Right. And so, real estate, though, they... Well, that's the driving
1: factor, I think, sure. for this this huge up push in people buying real estate. Right. I'm not concerned about inflation or recession. And I tell my investors that are, most of mine are buying for long-term hold. Right. And if you're buying long-term term hold, who cares? That's like sure. putting your money in and a blue a stock fund. chip, right. for the, and you're going to leave it there for 20 years. Sure. You don't care if it drops 10 points tomorrow and goes up 30 the next day and then right. drops 50. Right. Eventually, it always exceeds its previous numbers. Right. So if you're holding, then it doesn't matter. As long as rent comps and, and appreciation is happening on a piece of property, mm-hmm. and you're a long-term hold 10 years Eight years, 10 years down the road. You're going to be fine regardless of what happens in the economy.
0: You know, I just had a random thought.
1: uh Uh-oh. These well, are the, usually the, – these, these can be scary.
0: This is good. This is good. <laughs> this is sort of a parallel track to what we're talking about right now. You know, one of the things that you and I have been talking about, and and really I have been telling people about because they were not aware of it, right. is the whole increase in capital gains tax um, on any 1031 exchange that's over half a million dollars. If that passes. If it passes. But let me tell you something. Here's something good that could come out of it because I, I love where you were. We were talking about long-term buy and hold, right? Let's say we're talking about a 10-year mm-hmm. hold, okay? So in a 10-year hold, Right now, we have this current president, right? And we know what his fiscal policy is. And we know that he's using executive power, mm-hmm. you know, even more than the previous sure. you know, outgoing president. So, he's, he's making all of these fiscal policy changes and, and increases in taxes and change to the tax code or whatever just from the president's office with his pen. Right. He's not going to be the same president. No. And it's not even going to be the same political party. In office in ten years, and so if your goal is buy and hold, then you shouldn't be afraid Never. of the well. check this out: of the ten thirty one exchange tax, which he's right. proposing over half a million, because that will get overturned by the time you sell that property. If
1: anything, through the last three presidents, we've the one. The one true thing I've learned is that. The next incoming president can undo every single thing oh the president, previous president did yeah. in 30 days with a stroke of a pen. Right. So you're right. So let's say Biden does this. And let's say inflation hits the roof and then we go into the you know another big recession. Sure. Um, unemployment shoots through the roof. None of that matters because eight years from now, if that happens, eight years from now, you're going to have a completely different different president with a completely different economic outlook who will go back in and executive order everything back the other way and maybe even better um and that's when you want to unfortunately in the real estate game the government has a lot to do with your success sure in the real estate game but if you're a if you're a chicken little who at the sign of the first dark cloud you're going to start liquidating thinking you got to get out from under it i think that's that's a foolish way to go
0: the other thing too about you know the chicken little's that you're talking about mm-hmm. that's th- those people might be listening to us right now but those really it's not an insult it's a mentality right well, yeah
1: yeah i and mean we watch out in the stock market all the time sure if if i had 100,000 dollars in the stock market and somebody says oh you know we're headed for a, a deep dive get out now you know what i do but, i'd leave it right right Go ahead and leave it. And then when it bottoms out, I'll go to my savings account and I'll buy up all the cheap stock and add it to what I already got and let it ride back up. Because eventually it's going to come back up and it's going to hit a point that it was at before and go up. Sure. So I think in real estate and any investment, if you long term it, it really doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't really matter what policies they they put into into motion to executive order. Right. You're always going to come out good. Right. In the long run. Yeah. Well, I agree. I think one of the things that's
0: really about to change the market is something uh, that passed yesterday. I shouldn't say passed. Um, It was a a judgment made by a federal judge in Washington, D.C., which overturned the CDC eviction moratorium for the entire nation. Yep. And it basically said that's going to be challenged. Well, sure. But, but, you know, the, the smaller circuit courts have already been challenged. On like, you know, we had West Tennessee uh, was in like the sixth circuit court. I I could get uh, this could all be wrong. So I'm not going to try to talk about details. But the point is the state of Texas, West Tennessee and northern Ohio, federal judges uh, did the same thing. They determined that the CDC eviction moratorium was illegal or unconstitutional. And so it was overturned in all three of those districts. That decision was challenged. And then uh, it was upheld. In right. all three districts. So the, there's legal precedent now with three smaller districts saying that that was upheld. And now with this fourth uh, judge coming out in D.C. saying that it should be banned throughout the entire nation. Will it be challenged? Absolutely. Will it go to the Supreme Court? I've been told from my attorney friends that it will probably not go to the Supreme Court. And the action will be very, very swift.
1: Well, I hope so. And yeah. we've talked about this before. And, and I'm I'm a firm believer that the CDC has zero authority yeah. to tell a a, an investor who's a business owner. Sure. That's no different than... Uh, the federal government going into you know Pizza Hut and saying hey by the way you've got to eliminate pepperoni from your pizzas mm-hmm. and you must sell them for five bucks a piece right. or we're going to fine you they they don't have the authority to tell a private business how to run it an investor is a private business right. I think they way overstepped their bounds and the day they put that moratorium in place I made the statement that's that's completely unconstitutional because you're now forcing a business owner to adhere sure. to something that is going to be detrimental to their business now it, it was helpful for the tenants but what did we see we saw a ton of tenants say oh well guess what i'm just not gonna pay rent i'm gonna ride this out Mm -hmm. until they till they do have finally kicked me out i had one lady that lived in the house for over a year never paid a dime in rent yeah because the cdc said she couldn't be evicted right so that poor investor (laughs) lost his shirt his tennis shoes and possibly half his underwear right on that deal yeah and i've met that guy yeah
0: all right so so here's kind of what i'm getting at one of the things that has limited the amount of product on the market has been that these uh, non-paying tenants have locked up these properties. Mm-hmm. They can't be evicted. Investors generally don't want to purchase properties with a non-paying tenant, no. right? Like that's that's just kind of a losing proposition. So it is that lack of product has driven up the prices, right? And and no no buyer is like, oh yeah, I'll pay more next month for you know for that for the same property. They're they're waiting. A lot of people are waiting for those prices to regulate to come down to right, normalize. Right. And so my gut and my hope. I'm sad to say, for people who honestly cannot pay their rent, and I really hope that they're taking advantage of the programs that are out there. There are a a lot of really wonderful programs. In fact, just real quick, Biden's most recent, well, Biden's uh, bailout, right, actually has the best version of the rent assistance program, Mm -hmm. and his version will pay out 85% of the rent that's owed. So to any homeowner, if they're willing to take a 15% discount on the rent that they are owed, that program will will we'll pay that one of the roadblocks in there and this is, we're gonna to have to talk about this later um, that I experienced you know with the 15 or 20 houses that I had that didn't pay rent over the, the course of the last year is that a lot of people chose not to pay rent like you said they took advantage of yeah. the of the law but here's the deal they didn't qualify for the assistance because they made too much money right so what does that say
1: yeah what does that say in that situation well I'm going to go back to the beginning of this process, okay? Um, when when they rolled out the COVID restrictions and the masks and shutting businesses down and, and just turning the entire country upside down, hmm. it seems to me that that process was, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it seems to me that that process, when it went into effect, opened the door for the liberal thinking politicians to then begin to insert more sure. government programs, more assistance to people, um, and making people more dependent on that government, sending them that check or putting a program in oh, place to protect them. Absolutely. So my hope is, uh, when we drove we drove to Gallenberg up in Sevierville, when we went to Sevierville, you wouldn't believe the amount of huge manufacturing facilities with giant billboards now hiring $17 an hour, $10,000 signing bonus. Because an average person is getting almost four thousand dollars in assistance, right? And you put that against a guy who was working at a warehouse, right? Making, you know, f- probably bringing home four thousand gross and putting thirty two hundred bucks in the bank. He's making more money sitting at home than he wouldn't be going back to work. So we we've got a lot of very big problems that we're about to start. They start. They're gonna. The cracks are about to start showing. Right. And I think it starts with these these checks that are going out. Yeah. Because you're 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 making people dependent on the government. So right. what happens when those checks go away? Uh, and then well, all of a sudden all these jobs that are available are no longer available now you've got folks that are even more dependent on the government to house them and feed them and, and right. pay their bills right 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 I, I think we're headed for a, for on that sector of our economy I think we're headed for a, a, a tough time
0: one real quick note just personal note um, I work out at the at a, at a gym okay near where I live and I'm seeing more and more overqualified people working at that gym yeah. as a second job as a third job and the reason that I think that they're doing that is because they're grabbing that job while that job is there to be had sure. um i think if you're in the united states if you're if you're just now getting out of, of college and you're not currently employed if, if you're not working and you need to be working and you're relying on that government check you better go get that job soon because it's just like what you said pretty soon we're going to see overqualified people working jobs that are beneath them beneath their skill level because those are the jobs that are available
1: well, in unemployment, you can get an average of nine hundred eighty bucks a week, tax free. Now, right, right. So, if you were making three thousand five hundred dollars a month, and now right. you're picking up almost four grand a month, why in the world would you get out of bed and go to work? Right, right. And the, and there, what's is, what is a timeline of unemployment? Uh, well,
0: the um, the extended unemployment benefits end on June the thirtieth, right now,
1: and they need to end as soon as they end. I mean, our unemployment I think left, it, it needs to go back to needs based. Uh, yeah. yeah, unemployment's so high right now right. because I can tell you probably half of those. people people are just staying home because they can sure right
0: um oh i'd be investing that i would be using one of these penny stock apps and just sure making money off of the money
1: you're giving me we've unfortunately gotten to a society that if it's free they'll take it right if it's free i want it right and that's sad anyway well we'll have to see what happens yeah
0: june the 30th i bet
1: i've got a
0: hundred dollars on the table right now that it's going to be extended no. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen.
1: I'm not going to take that bet because you're probably right. I think I'm right. If Biden's the president. It right. will probably be extended out to 2030. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And now, Neighborhood Chat.
1: Did you enjoy your uh, time away? I did. Good. We went to, uh, went to Smoky Mountains. We're uh, partner out of Louisiana. We're looking at doing a container cabins yeah. up in the mountains. Awesome. So we uh, went up and looked at property. And, um, and one particular piece of property, I was telling Richard... Before we got started, yeah. So we got up on the ridge train. I was looking; we were looking at the property as it went down. But I saw a gravel road way down there, and I knew if I could find where the entrance was, we'd get down there and kind of get a good look up at the property. Because I mean, you're talking about a 120 foot ridge, right. Where you'd put cabins, right? So we drove down. Find, I found it, put it in four wheel drive, went down to the bottom, and then all of a sudden, the road just the gravel road about one car width, width wide kept going up the mountain. So I decided to follow it up. Uh, And find a place to turn around and come back down. If I figured if I got top of that mountain, I could see across to this range. We got up to the top, and there's this old shack with a bunch of old cars and dog pens outside with pit bulls. So I immediately looked at this scenario and said, This is probably not a good idea. We're in the middle of nowhere, top of a mountain. We just ran up on somebody's property. So I turn around and I drive back down the mountain. I get to the bottom and I stopped to get out and look and all of a sudden this old truck comes blazing down the gravel road and this big 300 something pound 6 foot 7 guy goes boy you need something wow <laughs> I was just and my sphincter went <laughs> I was like no sir no sir you lost and I told him what we were doing sure and of course he he uh, he threw out some profane words about his servitude and how he's not giving it up and I said look I said if we do something here this gravel road is just going to be a." a entranceway so sure. this will still be your driveway we're not going to take it from you from right uh and then about that time his wife turned and smiled at me with not a tooth in her head <laughs> it was the we, we drove out of there and i was like you can't make this up this would have wow. been a great reality tv clip yeah of uh moonshiners right right perfect. right so I, I assumed that uh he was probably got a little meth lab up there somewhere mm. going on or something because yeah. yeah. uh he was very nervous that we were there Right, very nervous. Well, you your vehicle almost looks like a government vehicle. Yeah, I
0: mean it's it's a it's a very light, <laughs> wheel drive? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh,
1: yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a great trip though. Good, I had fun. Good, got to see some bears walking nice. through our backyard. Yeah. Then uh, I guess we ended up coming a day, a day back a day late because we got five inches of rain, washed the roads out, shut wow. down the gates. We couldn't even get down the mountain. Wow. Lost power for a day and a half. Wow. So we made it back 10 o'clock last night. You know, it's nice to be
0: stuck in a cabin on the top of a mountain with somebody that you're madly in love with without any power. Absolutely. Yeah. And Trey. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, Trey. Oh, I didn't know you had. Um, Yeah.
1: But yeah. So yeah, it wasn't quite as romantic as you'd think it Uh, was. But um, But the the worst part for me was, you know, I work nonstop. Sure. I'm always working on the boat, wherever I'm at. Mm. I had no internet. Uh, So I've got... People texting me right. about offers and look at this property, and I'm like, yeah. I can't do anything. Yeah. So it took them till I think it was yesterday morning for the power came back up. Wow. Off. Well, let's go ahead into the put out. Because I've done several of these recently, even during the moratorium. We put notices on the door. We contacted the tenant, and she's avoiding us like the plague, won't respond to us. Of and she's, she's assuming it's that because reassuring. of the CDC's moratorium, she's just going to ride this out as far as she can. So I went and met with an attorney, one that Aaron knows, who's no longer with us now. The services are actually Tuesday, by the way. So in this situation, he said, well, Brett, the moratorium on evictions does not address abandonment. OK, so as, as a property owner, if your property is deemed abandoned, then you have the right to protect your asset. There's no legislation or CDC can tell you you cannot protect your asset. So I said, well, she's not responding. I'm putting notices. on. I put a notice on her door every day, seven days in a row. And they're all still there, which means she hasn't gone in the house. So he says, we'll document that. So as I documented it, there's kind of the a and And yeah, maybe I didn't. I did it during the Christmas holidays, <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I'm, but, I'm glad we're not like but this. Listen, is, okay, well, listen,
1: and I, I talked to Leonard about that. I said, Leonard, it's the Christmas holidays. It's very possible she's home visiting. He goes, Brett, she hadn't paid in seven months, so he put the notices on the door. We'll go 14 days, and we did. And then I gave him all the documents. I gave him all the times it was posted. I took pictures every day of the notices posting up on the door. And then we noticed. He just said, "Fine." Then you deem it ab- uh, abandoned. We did. We changed the locks and put her stuff on the street. The thing was, is she's still this day. I sent her notice and gave her my number. Said, "If you want your items, let me know." Where's I'll your stuff? Where's the stuff? It's gone now. Put sure. it on the sidewalk, and because she wouldn't respond, put it on the sidewalk, and of course, it got picked through like, a, you know, like a dead carcass. They picked it out and took everything off that lot. But we deemed it abandoned, and that's how we got her out. So. When you come to this issue of setouts, I understand you've got this, I won't call them what I think about him politician who has now decided that we want to end putouts, meaning we don't want to put stuff on the street. They make these decisions without determining how it affects the business owner, the property owner. While, yes, it's not attractive to drive down a street and see someone's lifelong belongings piled up in the front yard, I get that. But what's the, what's the solution? You, I mean, you're going to tell the business owner or the, the property owner no longer can you put stuff on the street. Now you've got to hire a moving company and move the the tenant who hasn't paid you in six months, move their items to another location for them. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's never going to work. It just can't work. And I'll never support it. And who who made that? Who's talking about that? Do you know?
0: So let's read the article. It's just it's very, very brief. Um. So this is this Tuesday. This last Tuesday, uh, May the fourth council members took their first look at a proposal by jb smiley jr now that's well a, there you go
1: that's the first reason why you don't accept anything from a guy named jb Smiley.
0: well jb smiley has been uh he's been a councilman for a long time
1: again he's so, been a lifelong um, politician
0: all right and, and so what he's trying to do is he's trying to bar landlords or property owners from eviction set outs where the tenants belongings are put in a public right of way like a sidewalk or other public property for non-payment of rent now let's just stop right there We do that right now, okay? And so every eviction that I've ever performed, every set out, and there haven't been a ton, we've had generally very good luck. I've Probably in the 20 years that I've been doing this, almost 20 years, probably less than 100 actual set outs. Right. Okay? That's not bad. No. The thing is the tenant's property is set on the curb and it does interrupt the sidewalk. So that's what this says, is that they don't want the tenant's belongings put in a public right-of-way like a sidewalk or other public property for non-payment of rent. The other public property would be like an apartment complex. Right. Right. So apartment complexes right now, in order to eliminate that, this same issue, are have the responsibility privately of disposing of that personal property during a set out. Usually there is a a garbage area, you know, with several dumpsters. And so you'll often see when you drive through an apartment complex, mattresses, beds, Mm -hmm. furniture, and it's all set up against that, uh, that dumpster. And so, you know, the former tenants are able to go get their personal property if they want it. Um, If not, it's already there and it's ready to Mm -hmm. go to the trash. They spoke about it, and the ordinance, which they're proposing, would require landlords to take the belongings of those evicted to a landfill, donate them to a charity, or something similar. So this is actually good news, I think.
1: Well, but here, here's, the, here's the situation. It does get in it, – it, it, there
0: are tenant res, uh, um, uh, rights that are interrupted with this. Yeah, I agree. Obviously.
1: But in, in order to haul it to a landfill – you know, you're talking about the contents of a home. Sure. Um, that's another large cost for now the landlord to pay to evict a tenant who just stopped paying. Sure. You've already got the court costs, the eviction costs, attorney's fees, which you'll never get back from the tenant. I mean, you can sue them all day long. You'll end up spending three times what they owe you. So right. it doesn't make sense. So they eat that cost. And now you're going to add on another five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars to $800 for someone to go fill a trailer full of their junk and take it to the landfill and pay dumping fees. Which? Which. I do anyway. You do. Yeah. Now, if if there's a, you know, in order for this proposal to make any sense to me, that Mr. Smiley should be talking to donation centers in advance saying, we would love your support on this, but you would need to put a program together to make yourself available so that when there's an eviction happening and a set out, you notify these these people and guess who? They then send their crews in free of charge to the homeowner, the property owner, to clean that house out and take all those belongings as as a donation, write a receipt to the property owner, give him a benefit for her doing this. Right, but have that set up. Don't just pass something and say, "Okay, here it is." You have to follow it. By the way, you need to figure out how to make it work. I think you really, if he wants this to work, and uh, and pro- hopefully get support of. I hope there's some council members that are saying, "Nah, this is just too vague," that. You go to donation centers in advance and say, we want to do this. It'll benefit you, but you bunt the cost of going and picking up the product, the the stuff. And you do a set-out date on tomorrow at 9 a.m. They show up one of their big trucks. They have four guys that walk in and clean the house out and take off with it.
0: Right. So let's talk about the current law in, in, in this situation. The current law is that the personal belongings of the tenant, which you have set out, Are not allowed to stay on the curb longer than, I believe it's seven days. Yes. You know, a lot of times you'll go ahead and get a notice from the city if you do a set out three days into the personal property being on the curb. Now, for somebody like you know, again, most of our listeners have no idea what Memphis is like. Uh, enterprise really, we do our best to, to to manage property in decent parts of town and nice parts of town, uh, blue collar parts of town, but we don't do low income. Okay, that's always been a personal thing. When you go into low income neighborhoods, you are going to see every other house you know well not during the COVID eviction moratorium of course but during a normal economy every other house as you drive down the street would have personal belongings on the curb because well, they're, some of
1: that's just their patio furniture in the front yard I,
0: yeah but i'm I'm talking in other about words, some
1: people just put stuff in their front yard just to leave it there <laughs> that's true so you know and then some of these areas that's pretty common right right so but so so what this band is trying to do i believe i He's got the right. He's got he's got a good idea. Good motivation. Good ideas without figuring out how to put it into functional practice ends up end up being bad ideas. And that's what I'm saying. If he would just take the time to set up the program properly and and have what's the big donation center right here on the corner from the office? Uh, Goodwill. Goodwill. Yeah. Go to Goodwill and say, look, for every set out, we would love for you guys to come pick up all the stuff and you take it back. Take what you want and sell it. What you don't want, throw it away. But it's you, you contract with the city. We're going to give every one of these to you, but you have to show up and get it on a designated time. See, I don't see how that would be perfect. I would be in support of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't see how that is going to fly with what the, the rights of the owner of the that that property is like it, i believe on a
1: set out day though you're just putting on the curb you're, you're just moving the location yeah right. typically
0: on a set out you hire some guys to go in and move stuff sure. on the curb but what you're talking about now is like contracting you know through a city ordinance having the capacity to contract with someone who will literally remove that personal property from the home yes. which right and it's gone
1: like, no, but listen, there, there is, uh, there. I think there's also an ordinance in place that gives the property owners or law so much time to come back and reclaim there, those items. I, I'll put so it this what way: if, what? If, what if that's set? That's what the set out is for. What if the donation center says, okay, we'll we'll take it a step further. We'll not only will we go pick up everything, you then tell that property tenant that it's at our facility, and they've got seven days to come get what they want, or come pick it up. It sounds like a nightmare uh, no if you look at <laughs> look, this donation center up here sure they function this way I mean sure. you can call them and say hey I've got an attic full of junk right uh, and they'll come through and clean it all out for you 1-800-GOT-JUNK Contract with absolutely them, right. The right. city can write them a check, but the city's
0: not going to write a check. See, because as you've already pointed out at the beginning of this conversation, like said,
1: the burden is on the that's landlord. My point. It's on the property. So owner. this is going to turn out to be a bad idea because this guy's not doing his homework. He's not putting a plan in place. He's doing something that's going to make him popular with constituents in his district who are even... probably most of them are renters.
0: Well, okay. So let's let's continue to read uh, toward the bottom of this article because this is really important. It talks about how the city beautiful commission, which is very very important to the city of memphis um it is it prevents urban blight okay it it, it prevents this sort of like messy trashy look you know to our city and so the city beautiful commission is is really it's dual purposed or really triple purposed okay it's got ordinances that private citizens have to follow okay and that's what this would be Mm -hmm. it also has a, a significant waste disposal team yes. here in the city and uh, there's solid waste disposal. You can call in and have, you know, large items removed from your front yard. They they make you set that item out or those items out the day before trash pickup. If those items sit on the curbs, such as similar to what he's proposing with someone's personal property for longer than a week, then you will be right. fined and taken to and this is the third point, environmental court. And so our environmental court with code enforcement here in Memphis is extremely strong, you know, if if there's a ruling that comes down in environmental court because you've got a trashy backyard mm-hmm. or you have junk cars, you know, in your in your driveway that are causing, you know, it's it's just unsightly, then that environmental court will find you, okay, and eventually will put a lien on your property right. where that trash is. And so, I think what what JB Smiley is trying to do
1: is I still can't trust a guy named JB Smiley. JB Smiley, right. I just. Sounds like a used car salesman to me. You know, looking at JB Smiley's car lot.
0: Hey, he's he's a councilman, not me. So I mean, obviously he's he's got some. Keep in mind, I
1: was in small town politics. Oh, I know. I understand the makeup of those people. I understand how they think. I understand the. You know i I hope his heart's in the right place. I I get it. I mean, Yeah. yeah, I do the same thing. I drive down. The, the interstate and Lamar and you look at all the trash and just yep. junk and it looks crappy I sure. get it and I would love nothing more than that for that all to be cleaned up right um, but good ideas that end up costing the property owner more money right and fees and more headaches and more liability Right to follow all these rules to make sure you do it right. I don't. I'm totally against that. If you sure. wanna, if you wanna make a, uh, an ordinance or a law or whatever you're gonna do to address this, this you need to write the entire thing out. You need to have a plan from A. Oh, there's to a proposal. Z. I mean, it's a it's a
0: solid ordinance. No, proposal. His, his
1: proposal is is that the property owners are responsible for hauling it away to a dump site. Yeah.
0: So, okay, one last important point. It says, the city council last changed the city ordinance in 2005 when they enacted the requirement that belongings put on the street in an eviction must be boxed or bagged in a neat and organized manner. Now, that that lasts, by the way, even if you do that, that's going to last for all of two hours. Oh, And absolutely. then it's just going to be scattered all over the place. That's, uh,
1: yeah, like I said, it's, it's a great idea, mm-hmm. but all great ideas that end up being bad ideas is because someone didn't think through the long-term process, they right? And they just—they think it's a great idea. It's—it sounds good on paper. It's going to look shiny, yeah. As, a, as an ordinance, and my people in my district are going to love me because if they get evicted, their stuff's going to be tossed out, sure, all that. But again, you've got to think on step two.
0: Right. Well, step you're two is going to cost you're not a gonna, lot of money.
1: Absolutely. You're going to yeah. end up spending 1200 bucks to pay a crew to go bag up stuff, box stuff up, move it right. out, uh, and then haul it off somewhere. Right. I still think that the city contract got call 1-800-GOT-JUNK, say we're going to give you everything that comes out of – just show up your truck. And, we'll just change the name of the city to 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Uh, I mean, I mean, if you want your streets beautiful, you gotta, you're going to have to play with the right, devil, right? Right. You oh, have to gosh. dance with the devil. Yeah. Um, well,
0: I, the, the one thing that I, I feel like, you know, as I'm rounding out my position on this, I feel like um, is, is going to be a problem is that when you set a tenant's personal property – Outside of the property, you change the locks, right? They no longer have access to get into the property. You're giving them the opportunity to come and collect their things. Mm -hmm. And it's not my responsibility, you know, once we set it out there. My concern is that if we... You know, by by adding greater complication to the law in this regard, specifically when it comes to set out, Mm -hmm. we are going to be, like you said, causing greater...
1: Greater harm to the property owner. owner. Yeah, well, and liability. Who should be... Protected. Should be more protected, right? I mean, listen, I get it. Uh, You know, Glenn and I did uh, loss mitigation for a long time and we dealt with hardships and people being you know losing their homes and being evicted because a spouse got sick or they lost their job whatever and there are some true sad stories out there but let's just face it we're in Memphis Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of deadbeats just don't pay their rent Sure, right and going a step further to coddle them out of the home instead of just doing the way we've been doing it um, is going to have a negative impact on the property owner but there's a simple solution his ordinance is going to say out on city property Okay, nothing can prevent them from putting it in the yard. Right. Right? On right. that owner's property. Off of the sidewalk. Then if they wanted, they can take them to environmental court, but by that time that happens, that stuff will be gone anyway. Hopefully. So. Yeah. I do have a guy that uh, charges me 500 bucks and he'll he cleans the whole house out. Sweeps it and everything. Hauls nice. off everything. He's a he does he takes them as donations. Um I may actually I may bring him on the show, bring him on the yeah. show sometime and and uh
0: I think that'd be really interesting to the listener to hear what a set out looks like, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody has this horrible image in their mind of, of 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 how it goes. It's not pretty. Yes. If 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 let's just paint a picture here. If the tenant is to the point where they've not paid their rent for so many months that a landlord has taken them to court and has required, you know, forced them out more or less, and the judge has approved this, that's the environment that you're stepping into. Is, is that person who has been a non-payer this entire time so yeah most likely their home is not orderly
1: <laughs> you know no it's not and it makes it worse when the sheriff's departments there holding the tenant back while people are moving their stuff out to the yard I, right. it is it's not a great scene but at the same time we we've we've got to come to a point where we understand that yes tenants have rights and that's for, and, and a lot of these tenants rights acts that have been passed in the state of Tennessee were from scrupulous dirt bag slum lords uh creating problems for the tenants but now we've reached a point where those tenants rights are being used as an unfair disadvantage to the property owner sure and those tenants are using those to their advantage instead of. and i i had it happen all the time when we were doing the when when glenn and i were doing loss mitigation all we had to do was walk into court and say your honor we need a 30 day extension on this eviction and the first time you walk in and ask for it the judge grants it automatically mm-hmm. because of Tenants Rights Act right, right? Um, so that was due we were fighting a bank trying to evict someone from a home they foreclosed on mm-hmm. but now you're you're taking that same concept and you're, you're doing it against a property owner and a tenant so I know for a fact that tenant has the rights to walk into court and say just get 30 day extension but no reason whatsoever right and just just stay there another 30 days so I think we reached a point now where our own our own policies to protect tenants are going to be uh, creating a disadvantage for property owners, and this is just going to go one more step too far. Right, my opinion.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see where it goes. Um, like you said, hopefully, there are some cooler heads on our city council, and yeah. we'll find out. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc.
1: i mm-hmm.